0: Dewey Do, Dew, a podcast discussing wealth management and financial planning, hosted by the founder and CEO of Great Lakes Wealth, Dewey Steffen, alongside radio personality Kyle Bogie. All right,
1: episode nine of the What Do We Do podcast. Kyle Bogey, Dewey in with you here at Great Lakes Wealth. And uh, we appreciate the support you guys have given us here through the first eight episodes. A lot of good financial advice. I know the previous episode, we kind of took a deep, deep dive into gold. But uh, Dewey, I- I'm having a blast doing this, and we got... A lot to look forward to today.
0: Episode nine. And like I've been saying each week, we're just getting started. This is fantastic. And I'm so excited for today's episode.
1: And because it's summer and sports are starting to, you know, officially make their return, we are going to spend a little bit of time, you know, kind of, you know, getting back into the sports world and, you know, looking toward baseball season and everything that goes along with it. So we will be touching on that a little bit uh, over these next several episodes. But to start, we do want to dive right into something that is, I think, very relevant, especially with what's going on you know, over the course of this last year with the market, with the economy, uh, and the amount of jobs lost out there, and that is investing. And there's obviously a difference between growth investing, income investing. We'll take a look at both facets of that. We had a great question, actually, that was asked of us on the Facebook page, so we'll make sure to do that.
0: Yes, right. There's all types of styles and all ways to invest, but today we're going to kind of just go straight forward with income investing and growth investing. And there's all sorts of subsets, but today we'll kind of keep it simple, stupid, if you will, KISS. I like that. KISS. We also hear Great Lakes Wealth say KISS, keep it safe, stupid also. So we will do the KISS and we're going to go a little bit into income investing versus growth investing. The truth may lie somewhere in between. If you're uh, if you're a diversified investor, but we'll get into it for sure.
1: And again, we appreciate you guys downloading, subscribing, rating, sharing all of it, uh, and we appreciate the feedback you guys have been giving us as well. So let's go ahead and uh, and just get started here with what we just basically touched on. So there was a question that was asked, uh, you know, earlier this week of the approach that you should take if you're looking for income versus long-term growth, and then, of course, vice versa. And I think this is fascinating because this has been one of those years where the market went way down, and so people were clearly thinking long-term, but also thinking about trying to make some money along the way and maybe cash out a little bit. I guess in your expert opinion, what is the biggest difference between income investing and growth investing.
0: Well, and off of that question that came in, kind of hits to the point, which is, do you put all you have in one time, go for it all in, versus in you know in uh, piles or um, dollar cost averaging, it's called a little bit at a time over time versus one big pile in. So that was kind of got me thinking about it. And on the income side, are you trying to again generate income to subsidize your current income, or are you trying to grow? assets in your portfolio. Here we also sometimes ask clients, are you trying to make a killing or are you trying to not get killed? Right? Are you trying to become wealthy or are you trying to stay wealthy? So, it really depends on where you're at and what you're trying to accomplish. So, you know, to answer the question uh, succinctly, income investing is really for those that have the pile of money that they would need to live off the interest, if you will, or the income that's generated and not touch the principal. Version. Versus growth investing, I think, is more for those that that pile of money doesn't need to generate any type of cash flow for the, uh, the person who, who's investing it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, so, growth investing would be more so the, the long term, weighted out, you're not going to touch that money for 30, 40 years essentially until you're retired type of, type of situation.
0: Yeah, typically, everything's subject to change, but but typically, Warren Buffett has a great quote, which is, if you don't find a way to make money while you sleep, you will work until you die. (laughs) How does that sound, right? (laughs) Uh, And so, and we talked about this in a prior episode, the average millionaire has seven streams of income, and that income comes in different uh, categories, if you will, active income, passive income, retirement type of income, 10 Broad sources of that income would be employment income, if you're still working. I think we're all working right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, Capital gains income, interest income, dividend income, rental income, royalty income, guaranteed and tax sheltered income, 401k, IRA, retirement income pension income social Security income a lot of different sources of income that you could have to subsidize your employment income or just your monthly you know um, expense needs right mm-hmm and so along those lines, there are government bonds that you can invest in. And right now, a government bond, depending on how long you go out, may only pay you 2% interest for 10 years, right? 2% interest per year for 10 years for a 10-year treasury, not even quite that high, frankly. But in that case, a million dollars that you put into a 10-year treasury, you're only going to get $20,000 a year of interest to live on. hmm Right? Less than 2000 Probably not enough, yeah. <laughs> Probably not enough. You're going to dive into the principle. You follow me? Mm-hmm. Versus a different type of bond, a corporate bond. Maybe you can get 4% interest, but then you have to worry about is that corporation safe and sound and this and that and the other. So 4% interest, now you're talking $40,000 a year on a million dollars. And you can get high yield or what they call junk bonds. And maybe you get 8% a year on your money. And now you got you know $80,000 a year if it's an 8% bond. So that's, again, analyzing what you're going to live off. Of or monthly cash flow versus in the growth investing scenario that million dollars may not pay any interest out per year and will grow. A great stat that you and I talked about before the show was Amazon. You've heard of Amazon.com?
1: Very familiar, yes.
0: Great. (laughs) Well, it went public back in, I think, 1997. May 15th rings a bell. If you would have put $10,000 in Amazon.com, company stock, the day it went IPO, and you just let it grow. There were no dividends paid out, nothing that came back to you. You would have had May 15th of this year over $12 million. 10,000, 13 years later, 12 million. Here's where it even gets more crazy. Because of the number of shares bought back then, the price May of this year was around 2,400 a share, as of, you know, today or tomorrow, call it three thousand a share, you actually have closer to twenty million dollars. So an extra eight million bucks between friends in a few months <laughs> of investing because of what you did way back when in the growth investment of amazon.com that's insane
1: and i'm assuming you have the next amazon already in your back pocket right like how are we going to pull some money together and turn it into to 12 million dollars over the next 23 years you got to have a couple of companies right
0: well, I would tell you again, there are going to be a couple but then you'd companies have to kill out me. <laughs> there. Well, we're just we're rolling up our sleeves and we're doing the work, and everything's changing by the day. But there absolutely will be some of these growth companies that are, um, you know, brand new infants, small cap, whatever you want to call them. That absolutely will probably have that same you know type of trajectory. Can't say ten thousand to twelve million, but regardless. That's the benefit of investing. Uh, simply put,
1: well, yeah, you kind of mentioned it. Uh, you know, with Amazon, we'll just use them specifically. But you know, you said in May, twenty four hundred a share. Now, you know, up to you know three thousand a share. You know, again, an extra eight million dollars potentially if you had invested that ten thousand dollars way back, you know, in nineteen ninety seven and capitalized on that. So, is that the opportunity that you're talking about right there too? Where it is income investing? Where if you see company like Amazon other companies that dipped while the market was down, you invest in them knowing full well, you know, or at least you had a hunch that over the next couple of months, they were going to get back up. And at that point, you, you cash some of that out. Is that kind of along the lines of, of income investing a little bit? It can
0: be, but not really. Okay. I mean, that's more, you know, timing the market or just taking advantage of opportunities. And that would be whether it's an investing in the stock market versus, you know, even buying real estate. If you bought a house and then, you know, three months and you plan to live there forever, and then three months after you bought it, someone came around, knocked on the door and wanted to pay you twice what you paid, you'd have to decide, well, we were going to stay here forever versus I'll take that cash, right? And so a lot of it's um, dependent on future events that happen. That's why we are saying now, is the generational buying opportunity for investors for short-term, medium, and long-term, because even though the markets come roaring back from the depths of March 23rd, the height of the COVID crisis meltdown, we're still not back to even on the year, let alone, I would imagine, in the coming months, there'll be some other pockets of weakness of investing, opportunities to find, to where a year from now, three years from now, 13 years from now, 23 years from now, you're going to have, you know, a much much larger pile than you have today not even close
1: so when it comes to growth investing and long-term you know investment opportunities uh if you're fortunate enough you know to be able to have that 401k and have that retirement maybe you do have you know an employee or employer match uh, you know program whatever it may be i'm assuming on top of something like that if you are financially inclined being able to find investments that can grow over the next 30 40 years and maybe be a little bit safer. That's something I'm, I'm assuming that you would advise, you know, people doing as well, and that's more what the long-term, you know, growth investment is.
0: Yes. On a side note, when you're talking about 401k or retirement plan investing, you have your current pile versus your future contributions, right? The current total allocation, bottom line uh, portfolio value versus what you're going to be adding this Friday or every other Friday. So, depending on the size of that current pile and the time until you are going to retire, you definitely want to dial up or dial back and analyze your portfolio mix so you didn't have your entire retirement balance in growth investing, you know, March 1st of this year, we talked about in a prior episode. So a lot of it is dependent on, again, talking to a professional or going to greatlakeswealth.us and playing with our calculators. We will help you figure out the perfect mix. No one should have 100% into growth investing with any type of pile that, you know, is substantial. And also I'd argue that no one really needs to have all of their money into income investing where there's no potential for appreciation. So, you know, the typical mix would be 60/40 of stocks and bonds or growth versus income, but it's all dependent on who the person is and what they're trying to accomplish.
1: When it comes to to growth, I mean, is there – every situation is different. We've we've touched on this a little bit, but is there a specific percentage, you know, that you kind of lean on or point to that, hey, every single month, this percentage, you know, even outside of your 401K, you know, unless you want to count that, has to be going and being put away, you know, as an investment and, and something that can grow over time. Is there – I guess, a model for what you would say for someone trying to figure that out?
0: No, because every person's different. So it's going to come down to what are you trying to accomplish, right? So if we go just back to basics with growth investing real quick, in general, growth investing refers to investing in companies growing their earnings at above average rates. They may not pay out any income. They may not pay out any distributions. Another word for income. You familiar with that? Mm -hmm. Okay. And so there's two major advantages of investing in growth stocks or in growth uh, investments one is the expected or potential for large appreciation if you invest in a apple seed and put it in the ground maybe cost you 10 cents well if you water it and put some sunlight on it that seed will grow into a sapling and then that'll grow into ultimately this big old apple tree takes many many years twenty three years if it's the Amazon apple tree and actually it should be the apple apple tree if that's all another company we I digress but with that right you um, want huge growth opportunities and that's what Again, growth investing means. Number two is besides the long-term potential, huge capital gains also is some tax treatment too. Income investing, you typically have to pay income tax, and there are exceptions to that, versus growth investing is long-term capital gains, which are at this point, you know, they're at a much better tax treatment than income investing. All that to say that if you need to live off of any of that investment. You're going to actually have to sell out or take out part of your investment, and it's not given to you in terms of a distribution or income. You're actually they're going to have to sell part of your investment, and maybe that defeats the whole purpose.
1: Have we seen more of that this year, just based on what's going on, based on the market you know, going as far down as it did? Or are people pretty comfortable just Keeping their money in, staying, waiting until it gets back to you know, the heights d- that it was at before. Or are we seeing more people
0: take some out, and you know, has it changed a little bit this year because it's so unique? So I really don't know how you measure that. I know there are ways to measure that, so I'm not really sure of the answer. But definitely, volatility creates opportunity, and there are people who are buying and selling all day long. Um, here at Great Lakes Wealth, we also understand that in Wall Street jargon or in financial planning speak, it's not timing the market; it's time in the market that creates your success. Have You heard this uh, phrase on Wall Street, right? So we understand this there, but we kind of say it's not necessarily 100% the the case. If you can time the market and get in and get out and get in and get out, then you absolutely can take advantage of these opportunities even more so. Now, the problem is most people can't time the market successfully, and there's a lot of data that shows that. But in major drawdowns like we had in uh, the spring of uh, 2020, you're supposed to be buying more, right? buy low, sell high. So depending on what your circumstances, you should be rebalancing and that rebalancing can take effect very rapidly if something depreciates and then appreciates. Make sense?
1: Absolutely. All right so so tie in I guess you know o- overall okay, let's focus on growth investing for a second here and just kind of a brief summary, a, a Dewey stamp here of what growth investing is in your mind and what people really need to know about it. Moving forward.
0: So growth investing, from my perspective and our perspective here at Great Lakes Wealth, is investing for the long term to grow your capital without any need for short or medium term income off of it. You can certainly again take it if you need it, but that's not the approach to growing your assets, right? And the big thing behind that is not taking out a little bit here like you may have, you know, things go up and taking a little bit out to, to pay your bills or to do something else. The whole idea is to leave it in and then it's it's compounding, right? The growth compounds. If there is a dividend that's paid or if the return you make continues over a long period of time, compounded growth is what takes you you know, the million dollars and turns it, you know, into two million dollars. If you only make, you know, 7% a year straight line on a million dollars, you follow me over ten yeah. years, right? So let's say a seven percent return on a million dollars, seventy thousand a year. If you just get that simple interest, and that's now we're talking income investing versus growth. But if you had a seven percent return for ten years and it just went up seven percent, and you took the seven percent out, you sold it, you would have seven hundred thousand dollars of gains after the ten years. You follow me? Yeah, absolutely. Simple, simple interest or simple growth. Okay, then word simple. Compounded if you had that seven percent over and left it in, $1,070,000 Then the next year. You don't just have 1 million 140. You also have some compounded growth on that first 70. You would then have approximately $2 million by the end of 10 years. So it's not quite 300000 It's a little bit less, but you can understand there's several hundred thousand dollars of compounded growth. And in fact, another quote that I love comes from Albert Einstein. And he famously said, compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world. He who understands it, earns it. He who doesn't, Pays it. <laughs>
1: That's fantastic.
0: Right. And uh, and so the final the final part of investing for growth or compounding your returns would be that of the dollar cost averaging. And so if it's in your 401k or any type of account mm-hmm. where you can just put in consistently, you're going to have an investment that if the market goes up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down, as we talked about in a prior episode, some weeks or periods when you buy, you might be buying higher than when you bought initially, but other times you might be buying lower. So the Average cost over time is typically lower because the markets or the investment that you would make, typically, even with Amazon, doesn't just go straight up in a straight line. So by dollar cost averaging, that's a huge, huge investment tool to get to that compounded return goal of uh, financial success.
1: Okay, so I guess we can wrap a bow on income investing as well. If you had to summarize and say, This is the specific thing that you need to know if you're going to be potentially participating in income investing. What do you need to be prepared for in doing that?
0: So income investing, if you're going to live off of that income, then you need to have a much larger starting point pool of money. Right, if you want to just live off the interest or live off the income, you're going to have a much larger pool to get to generate that amount of income. I mean, who right? doesn't
1: have a million dollars in the bank, right? You know.
0: Well, again, if you've got your seven, <laughs> um, you've got your seven silos, you've got your seven sources, you're you're uh, you're one of those in the in the in the in the select group. You're getting there, you're getting yeah. There, you're right? in the club, yeah. Right. So, income investing then breaks down to the amount of safety that you're taking with your investments. So, income investing, you can put it into government bonds. They're guaranteed and backed by the U.S. government. Again, a 10 year treasury is under 2% interest per year now, right? You also could get bonds that are municipal bonds that are backed or insured from municipalities or other. Agencies and those would be tax-free, but they're having a lower amount of interest that's paid out. Behind that would be corporate bonds. So you can invest in bonds from private or public companies, and those would pay more than the government, but they're not guaranteed or insured. And so let's say you can get 3% versus 2% uh, from the government bond. So the next one on the list would be real estate investing. You can do it through uh, investment vehicles like ETFs or through these things called REITs. You can invest in real estate and maybe get a 5, 6, 7% return on your money. Obviously, investing in real estate may not even be liquid, but even if you can get in, it might be more risky than investing with the U.S. government or with corporations. Follow me, Kyle? Absolutely. Okay, so then the next one would be high dividend stocks. So, income investing in some stocks that are built to just generate dividends, typically known as utilities, again, these REITs, other income-generating stocks, you can maybe get 6 7% return, but you're going to be subject to the principal fluctuating. Next on the list would be uh, mutual funds that have a combination of different interest-bearing vehicles, same thing, 6 7% interest, but you're going to have to deal with the daily fluctuations of your principal. Uh, you do have MLPs, which are master limited partnerships, they can be specific specific to industries like energy they have to pay out most of their earnings they don't necessarily get complicated but they have sometimes income streams up in the eight or nine percent interest but now you're talking potential risk of permanent loss of your capital so the more you try to make an interest the more that you may be losing your investment now all of a sudden it really wasn't an income investment like you thought it's more of a growth investment that just didn't work out right what do you Mm -hmm. think about that
1: yeah, I mean, it's just it, so really every situation is completely different and it comes down to what you're trying to get out of your money. And, but overall, what, what I'm kind of getting out of this is the growth investing, taking your time, not looking at the money, not doing anything with it, just allowing it to compound and grow. That's going to be your safest and, and best bet if you don't need that money in the short term.
0: Again, it, it depends. So yes, mm-hmm. common sense or you know simple sense or I guess just uh, d- discussing it through maybe, but it's nothing's a hundred percent one way or the other, right? So it really depends on the opportunity that's there. I would argue right now, Kyle, that maybe parts of the stock market in the short term are too high. So you're going to invest in growth stocks today. Amazon is over three thousand a share. It could come back to just where it was in May that we talked about, from three thousand a share to twenty four hundred a share. You basically uh, will lose twenty percent of your uh, capital right out of the gate, right? So again, timing (laughs) is part of it. And maybe you just buy a little bit of Amazon right now. Big shot like you at... Three thousand share <laughs> instead of buying three shares for you know nine thousand, just buy one share today, see what happens, and then buy another share, and then another share. So it's not as simple as just hey, well I think long term if you have all the time on your side, you might as well go with growth investing. Not necessarily the case at all, right? And along those same lines, you don't even have to be invested in um, the stock market. On the income side, you could invest in a private small business. You could become a franchisee, you know, of a fast food franchise or a dry cleaner franchise i don't know if i would do that now with everyone working from home but at the same time it's not always investing just in public vehicles a lot of people invest in real estate because real estate if you have an apartment building or even a single family home that you rent out right that tenant pays you income on a monthly basis so another benefit of income investing is potentially actually the appreciation that goes with it it wouldn't be growth type of returns but again if you buy some real estate I, you you hope that real estate value, the property value, goes up while that tenant is also paying you that rent. So it's not black and white. It's not all one way or the other. Again, truly a diversified portfolio. Here's where we go with the bottom line, bogey. The bottom line would be a truly diversified portfolio has a combination of growth and income, cash. Bonds, stocks, real estate. Hit it from all angles. As we talked about last week, even some gold and precious metals. Gold doesn't pay any income, and it may not even grow. It just might be your ballast in times of distress. So I'll leave it there in terms of growth versus income. You need to actually have a diversified portfolio. And as we've said before, take your age, minus 100, and that's what you should have in one of the piles, right? So if you're 60, you look really good for 60, Bogie.
1: Okay, if you're 60. <laughs> I feel, my back feels like I'm 60, but sub- go ahead.
0: Subtract, right? uh, subtract 60 from 100, that 40 that's left, that should be perhaps in the growth side or the stock market side of the equation. And the 60 should be in the more safe, sound income side of the equation through, again, Bonds that are not high risk and um, and considered you know junk or whatever the case. If you're 80 years old, you should still have 20% in our approach into growth investing or stock market investing. Again, typically. Uh, so seek counsel from you know your financial advisors. Again, go look at our website for the calculators. And uh, we wish everyone fantastic success. Hi, this is Dewey Steffen, CEO of Great Lakes Wealth. Are you interested in investing, but aren't sure where to start? At Great Lakes Wealth, our mission is to provide Wall Street solutions with Main Street values to our clients and the communities we serve. We offer a qualified, experienced, and dedicated team to each and every client. We work with conservative, moderate, and aggressive investors and strive to help them reach their financial goals. So if you have at least $100,000 to invest, please visit our website at www.greatlakeswealth.us or call me dewey Steffen at 248-378-1200 to learn more thanks for listening and i hope you enjoy the rest of the show
1: all right well a perfect transition here uh, because we got to talk about a little bit of baseball you brought your uh your old english d uh quarter zip that you got there the uh the nike one and baseball is officially back now it was a pretty nasty public back and forth between the players' association, the owners, the league, everything that was going on with it. But now that it is here, sixty games, sprint to the finish. There is a little bit of excitement, even for for me, who's as cynical as they come. You got to be fired up for baseball to be here.
0: I am ecstatic. That <laughs> baseball is back in the d bogey. Right? They That's just right. played their home opener yesterday. Right? They. It's it's here, fired up. A little um, different right now, but that's okay. Uh, yes, there's uh, there's crickets at the <laughs> stadium, but on TV, baseball's back.
1: Okay, so what, what do you expect out of this 60-game this slate? Obviously, the Tigers are not trying to win right now, even though they did make a couple of, you know, one-year free agent signings in the offseason. C.J. Crone adding a little bit of power in the middle of that lineup for, like, what, the 20th straight year. Miguel Cabrera looks like the best shape he's ever been in in his life. Who knows what you're going to get out of him? But I will say, for me at least... The starting rotation for the Tigers, Spencer Turnbull, see if Michael Fulmer is actually ready to go. Matthew Boyd has been good. I don't think he'll ever be, you know, this great pitcher. And then we'll see the the mystery that is Casey Mize. Is he going to be up with the club? Is he going to be sent down? How is that whole thing going to, you know, unfold? But if you have starting pitching, and we know this as well as anyone from 06 all the way up until, you know, 2014, you can compete. I don't know that the Tigers are there yet, but starting pitching is going to give them a chance in a 60-game condensed schedule to, to at least be around for half the season, I think. Tell me I'm wrong.
0: This is your wheelhouse, so I'm going to ask actually just ask you a few more questions to dive Perfect. deeper, okay? So, you know, what is the outlook for the Tigers this year? from your perspective i'm certainly aware of the pitching and the pitching rotation the opportunities that come with solid pitching but you also need the hitting right and you need nine players that are coming to work every day and producing so in this town We had back in 1984, baby, bless you boys. And then from 06, you know, with the last run that we had, how fantastic was that? Getting to the World Series and then just getting swept, right? Should
1: have won it. Unbelievable. Yeah, go ahead. But
0: anyway, but with that, I mean, what, what are your predictions, you know, for the year? yours but also maybe what are the teams expectations you know are they it's one of those things well is it still a rebuilding year are we in like the 5th or 4th of whatever the number is just is another rebuilding year is it making the you know playoffs is great wild card is it winning a pennant is it going all the way to the world series i mean well, you know what is
1: it if i had my druthers, um, i'll at least just say this lose as many games as possible, get that number one pick again, right? I mean, that really is the best thing for the organization moving forward. But we haven't had sports in months. You have 60 games. For the first time ever in, in baseball, every single game matters. Okay, and I think that's going to be really good for the sport. I think it's going to make them really look at potentially reducing the amount of games they play moving forward from 162, maybe down to like 130, 120, because they're just it was cluttered playing every day. Those games don't necessarily matter as Kyle, much.
0: Kyle, let me interrupt you. There's this thing called cash, baby. It's there all is about the money, okay? And these
1: owners are very much about the money. Obviously, we saw that play out publicly, uh, you know, over the last couple of months. But in a 60-game season, can a team get hot, can a team ride You know, a, a strong starting rotation, add in some power there in the middle of the lineup with the Minnesota boys that they brought in? I mean, C.J. Crone has had a, a few home runs here You know, in the summer training period or whatever you want to call it out of Comerica Park. Can Miguel Cabrera actually, you know, kind of find his stride again? I don't know. He looks great. Sure. What does that ultimately mean? I don't know. Maybe playing a 60-game condensed season for him is something that he needed, you know, here moving forward, where he can be, uh, you know, healthy for that, you know, entire period of time in the middle of the lineup. That would obviously be huge for this team, but it does come down to the, the outliers, the other guys, you know, can Jacoby Jones get his back going? I don't know. We know what he can do, you know, certainly defensively, but there's a lot more, you know, that that goes into being a quality major league player. You got to be able to do it all. So, I'm intrigued to see that. I I would imagine the Tigers are probably going to be in it until maybe the 20th, 30th game, something like that, and then maybe things kind of fall off a cliff. But I think there's going to be moments that fans look at and go, well, this is exciting. You know, there's some young players out there doing well. Hopefully, Casey Mize is starting, you know, every five days, whatever it may be. We get glimpses of some of these young players – Maybe a Spencer Torkelson. I, I doubt it. But, you know, those are things that I'll be looking for and I'll be excited about. They're not making the playoffs, at least in my mind they're not. But if they can give us a few nights, even with the crickets out of Comerica Park, like you said, that'd be great. You know, wh- why not? We, we desperately need sports.
0: Well, we definitely need sports from my side of the table in terms of just the, uh, you know, the mental opportunity that's there, right? Whether you're watching him at home, we talked about this in a prior episode too, there's just nothing to watch. It's a, it's a, it's a soccer match from, you know, 2007, it's a baseball game. I think I was watching an NBA finals from, you know, 19, I don't know, 92 the other day at on a. At a You know, on one of those uh, archived uh, ESPN shows, whatever the case is. So just having it back, right, I think is really important just for people's uh, mental state of mind. Right. But I will say the main reason that Detroiters love going to Comerica Park to watch baseball in the summertime when the team's not expected to compete is because the weather's outside, you got the vendors, you got the Ferris wheel, you got the merry-go-round, you got the experience, right? So... It's back, which will be great to watch, especially if you're a baseball fan. But for the family to go down there is part of it that's still going to be missing. And on that point, then there's the economics, right? The money that the city of Detroit so desperately needs that comes from uh, the revenues generated for each home game, from the people that work there at the stadium to the local businesses surrounding the stadium. That's the part, too. They'll be playing. But I can imagine there's some um, restaurant owners and some bar owners that are going to be kind of, you know, grumbling. (fussing) And so... That is what it is, but uh, at least we got the ball rolling, so to speak. We got a little bit uh, uh, something to look forward to. It's something that's here.
1: That's it, you know, and obviously we can pay attention to some of these young kids, hopefully get a look at them. Big year for Jamer Candelario, too. Is he going to be a part of the future in this lineup? You know, he was that 4A player with the Cubs uh, before they traded him here. Uh, he kind of needs to get the back going again after uh, initially being very good and showing some power uh, when he was originally traded here. So a lot of things to look for. Obviously, you want to see the foundation be built with the young players. You want to see if these veterans can you know, get it going. But either way, we can sit down, we can watch a game. It's going to look and feel different, but that's okay.
0: Okay, so I'm going to just ask you the following, and then I'm going to see what you say okay. at the end of the 60 games. okay. okay. We're going to talk about the um, management or the coaching. We're going to talk about the offense. We're going to talk about the pitching and we're going to talk about the defense. So real quick, I want you to tell me what your thoughts are again, or just thumbs up, thumbs down or neutral about um, the coaching staff and management of the Tigers organization uh, as we enter or just started, I should say the 60 game stretch 2020 Mm -hmm. baby.
1: Well, for me, okay. So the Tigers obviously are trying to make a, a push to upgrade their, you know, analytics and that whole, you know, department and their. They've been behind, but legally, they're starting though, to get legally, up. Legally, they don't
0: like tape things on their players and have no, cameras out there no, 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 across no. the way there at the Detroit Athletic Club, uh, dialing in some signs and stuff.
1: Well, you know that whole El Tuve thing. I mean, you okay. know, pure speculation according okay. to him, right? You okay. know, who knows? God, those photos certainly looked a little bit incriminating. But they're trying to upgrade that. So for them to have a, a manager, more of an old school guy, and Ron Gardenhire, to me, very odd. It, it just doesn't. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Gardy probably could have been here, you know, right after Jim Leland ultimately retired. Maybe you put him in there instead of Brad Osmus. Maybe something happened. You know, who knows? I don't know. Gardy's fine. He's harmless. But this is his retirement job. You know, he's making $5 million a year to manage the team. There's no expectations. You know, it's just I, to, the manager, in my opinion, isn't a big deal. I wish they would have gone with somebody a little bit younger, though.
0: Got it. Okay, so then we go to let's. We talked about pitching. So again, mm-hmm. summarize the the uh, the pitchers.
1: Starting rotation is going to be fine. Nobody's talking about Spencer Turnbull. He had a really good spring training. He's had a very good summer training. Uh, you know, if you've been paying attention and reading, you know, some of the updates because we can't really see, you know, a whole lot. I think he's going to have a very good year. Matt Boyd is just as consistent as you're going to get in a starting pitcher. The wild cards are Casey Mize. Is he going to be in the rotation? Is is he truly ready to go? And then Michael Fulmer. You know, he's. Slim down. He looks unbelievable. Is that elbow good to go? You know, is he really going to be back to the Michael Fulmer that we saw before? Is he going to have the movement? You know, that we saw with his breaking ball. I, that I don't know. That that is a total unknown thing, I guess. You know, at this point. But if they have that starting rotation and Fulmer is decently close to what he was before, and then Mize actually is ready to go. That starting rotation is going to be fun, I, I think. So I'm not worried about it. The bullpen, I, you know, that's a crapshoot, and it's been for the last like 20 years. That's what
0: I was going to <laughs> do next. There's this guy. There's this guy called the setup familiar with the setup guy eighth inning guy and then there's the closer Mm -hmm. is the are we going to need a closer and if so do we have a closer
1: see I I think with the expanded rosters I I think it's going to be more of just a rotation you know you're going to be able to throw more arms out there obviously Joe Jimenez is that one guy that people you know Tigers fans specifically kind of gravitate toward and they want to see him you know a little bit more but other than that do, it's it's a complete unknown. I, I there, this bullpen is going to be a smorgasbord of just a bunch of arms, and let's I guess see ultimately what happens. So I that. I can't answer. I would expect it to be very inconsistent. We'll see if Jimenez can actually be a guy here moving forward.
0: Okay, so we got two more to go. But so, in terms of management or coaches, are they thumbs up or they're just neutral?
1: Yeah, they're neutral. neutral. They are what they are.
0: Pitching staff from starters to the closer to be named later, are we thumbs up or neutral? I mean,
1: the rotation, thumbs up. Okay. You know, the, the bullpen, I would still say thumbs down. They're just, I don't thumbs think there's th- enough arms there. Okay, yeah.
0: great. Now we're going to go to defense. I'm going to save hitting for last, so the offense. So let's go for defense. We're going to have any gold gloves out there in the hot corner. What do we got going on? Is
1: Castro going to take the job at short? You know, that's something I, I really want to pay attention to and see what happens. I think in the outfield, they should be fine. Again, Jacoby Jones is a plus, you know, defensive outfielder. I think he has a chance to be, you know, okay for the Tigers here moving forward. Jamer Candelario, you know, at third base needs to be a little bit more consistent, but, you know, has shown an ability to field there. So I personally I'm okay with it I don't think the defense is where it needs to be especially because you're gonna have a bunch of young kids out there um, you know so you're gonna see a lot of mistakes. But ultimately, the defense I think should be a little bit better. Last year. last year got really sloppy.
0: I heard Cameron Newton's
1: back. Is that accurate? Yeah, for for like what the fifth time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's back. What kind of a role will he play? I don't think a very big one at all.
0: Okay, so the defense you're going to give that just a neutral? Where are we? Yeah, I would say one? I would say neutral. neutral. Hopefully, a little bit more
1: cleaned up than what we saw last year.
0: Okay, fantastic. Now let's let's finish with uh, let's let's hit it hard with the hitting. What do you think about the offense?
1: It depends, you know, CJ Krohn obviously adds a heck of a lot of power, you know, in, in that lineup, but our guy's going to be able to get on base, you know, that that's one of those things And the Miguel Cabrera being in the middle of that lineup. Uh, what is he going to look like? You know, is Nico Goodrum going to be a factor as, you know, kind of that utility guy has shown something with his bat. He needs to be a little bit better defensively, you know, to, to play a little bit more, I think for Gardy. Um other than that though i think it's really dependent on miguel cabrera and then who is around miguel cabrera where's crone gonna bat you know that those are the factors i think that will ultimately determine how well they can put an offense together and how many runs they can put on the board
0: okay well we got a great start four games in the weekend uh, series with cincinnati and uh We're just getting started with baseball. We're just getting started here at What Do We Do, Baby? Love it. Episode 9. Appreciate it, guys. We'll talk
1: to you soon.
0: from a licensed professional.